During the first few weeks after the roundhouse had been opened, the Sioux had allowed visitors inside during daylight hours. Walker had never been comfortable with the policy, but tourists had become a major element in life on the res, and, for that matter, around Devil's Lake generally. But the crowds quickly became overwhelming, so Walker had been forced to exclude them. They could drive past on the access road, take as many pictures as they liked, but casual visitors would no longer be allowed inside the building. Most of the local politicians objected. They wanted him to permit visitors. Even Devil's Lake Mayor Wilma Herschel, usually a reasonable woman, tried to persuade him to reopen the place and deal with the risks by hyping security measures. he just finished a discussion with Wilma over lunch and returned to the blue building when a call came in for him. From a Mr. Osborne, Miranda said. Walker tried his coffee and picked up the phone. This is the chairman, he said. What can I do for you? Mr. Walker, I represent Caulfield and Barker, the law firm out of Grand Forks. I assume you know who we are. Walker had no idea. Can you make some time to talk with me this afternoon? It's very important. May I ask what it's about? I'd rather not discuss it on the phone. We have an offer to make. I'd be surprised if you wouldn't find it to your advantage. Osborne was tall with a precisely manicured black beard, gray eyes, and the features of a guy accustomed to having his way. He was almost bald, probably approaching sixty. He carried a briefcase, and he wore a coat and tie, a proclivity not often seen in Fort Totten. I'm sure you're aware of the effect the roundhouse technology would have on the economy if it could be widely applied, Mr. Chairman. I represent an organization that has been looking into the potential results. Their conclusion is that the prudent strategy would be to shut it down. To destroy all trace of the technology. To make it generally available in the economy would result in absolute chaos. We already have a problem with the concentration of wealth at the top of the social ladder. Instantaneous transportation sounds like a great idea, and in the long run it might well be. But at the moment, in this economy, in this society, it would result in the probable collapse of every industry connected with moving people from one place to another. Think about that, sir. Walker wondered if he'd been sent by the president. So, what are you suggesting? That we take a safe route, one that would eliminate the negative effects, but still allow the Spirit Lake tribe to profit handsomely. The chairman could see clearly enough what was coming. And what would that safe route be, Mr. Osborne? Uh, we are prepared to offer you three hundred million dollars if you will allow us to destroy the roundhouse. You'll come out of it very nicely. Consider the alternative. If you proceed on your present course, and the technology can actually be adapted, I doubt there's an economist in the country who would not predict a global crash. Not only transportation industries, but the entire defense establishment would be rendered useless. Retailers everywhere would close. Whatever profit you'd glean from the roundhouse would very likely be worth nothing in a dead economy, he smiled. I'm sure you recognize that as well as we do. And you're prepared to pay us $300 million to turn everything over to you. 
I can write that check now. He opened the briefcase and extracted a folder, which he opened and handed to Walker. This is the agreement. If you wish to settle it, we can bring in someone to act as a witness and sign the deal.